0: Welcome to another edition of the Colorful Kit Podcast Extra with myself, Tom Harrison. And we're gonna start today by, as ever, talking about our big topic. And like last week, the big topic has come from a question, a question that was actually asked to me last week, uh, but I decided that it was worthy of of being a big topic. So I um, have saved my answer. For this week and the question comes from at Even Pineda 83 who asks uh, what's your ideal starting 11 for Liga Mekis if you had to base it solely on potential ooh that is a really interesting question and one that I could have done in terms of my big topic this week that's for sure so here's the team I'm, I'm going for um, Gibran Lahoud in goal I mean a very obvious choice he's the only real young keeper around right now um, so uh, oh by the way I should distinguish that Some you can see potential as in I, I'm, I'm taking potential in this question as young players uh, rather than so for example um, I'm not I don't think Kalahud has as much potential actually as Masha Seen much seen, has seen how next week has potential to play better than who does ever in his career I think but I, I, I'm taking this as as young players you know with the most potential okay uh, defense I'm going for Osvaldo Rodriguez a left-back the Leon player who might have saved Torrento's job this week with that late headed goal um, I think when he first came on at Pachuca and he was 17 18 he looked way out of that his depth and um, uh, his positioning as marking was awful he was such a liability but then also he was playing in a defense that included um Mosquera and Hugo Rodriguez so uh it was an awful it was an awful backline since going to Leon he's been starting in the team and uh, i have been very impressed with him i put him in my young i put him in my young players team Team of the season for last year, um, so I think he's a, a good, good player and, and someone to watch for the future. Um, could have easily gone for Gerardo Artiaga as well. Uh, those two, I think, will be competing to replace Miguel uh, in the future. Centre backs, very, very obvious choice. Um, I've, I've gone for um, Edson Alvarez and Cesar Montes. I think they've both got fantastic potential as. Modern centre-backs, they're both very good, very comfortable in possession, Uh, they read the game well, Um, obviously Alvarez has been playing as a holding midfielder lately, had a pretty bad game on the weekend to be fair, but I I like them both a lot, um, particularly Montes because he's done it for two seasons now. Another guy that potentially I could have gone for is Igor Lishnovsky, who I've been impressed with so far for Nacaxa, originally at Porto. So clearly there's a lot of potential there. Play played for Chile in 2014 uh, and I think he's got a lot of potential. But I've gone for Montes, Alvarez. I think they like I said, they're, they're fantastic players, definitely. I'm hopeful that that will be the Mexico defence in the future. That could be a really good centre-back partnership in the future for El Tri. Right back uh, was obvious for me, Jorge Sanchez from Santos. He's been a revelation since getting into the team last season. Credit to Chepo De la Torre for putting him in there, for having faith. Uh, his energy is um, outstanding. He gets up and down the right w- right flanks so well. With Santos playing without formal wingers, he has to provide the width when they go forward and cover defensively. He does that job really really well. Um, very impressed with him for a young player and um, yeah, I think he's got great potential he's you know to get into the team ahead of Jose Abella who originally was one of Mexico's best young right backs uh, credit to him and um, yeah definitely someone to keep an eye on midfield um, I've so I've gone for a 4-3-3 with one holding midfielder the holding midfielder is Guido Rodriguez very very obvious decision um, outstanding defensive midfielder he was just phenomenal he was on a, he was on another planet last season he really was uh, averaging over seven interceptions and tackles per game just reads the game ridiculously well such a good ball winner then he's classy in possession as well he scored five goals for Tijuana last season he, I think he had he it was he well I know for sure he was right up there it might have even been the best uh, shots per goal ratio in the league it was better than it was like 2.5 shots per goal it was better than any of the players that scored ten or more goals in the league um, so yeah, just a phenomenal player, and uh, if he does well for America, Europe will surely come calling. They'll have to pay a lot of money, someone, but uh, I think he he could be. Uh, I, I I I think the world of this guy, and I think he could be really successful in Europe in the future, particularly if if Guido Pizarro is for Sevilla two central midfielders really tough because there's so many good options and I'm going to be a bit controversial here because I'm leaving out uh, Eric Gutierrez that was tough a tough one to leave out I'm leaving out oh this is so tough I'm, I'm... yeah I'm leaving out Lucas Celarayan he's 25 Uh, as phenomenal as he's been this season he's been amazing this season but perhaps we're seeing him at his peak well not quite um he's definitely someone who could go to europe and do well in my opinion i'm leaving him out uh i could have gone with diego valdez who's been so good this season classy on the ball fantastic distribution but i've gone for obili Pineda, pretty obvious choice um the thing that's so great about Oberlin is his maturity, and it, that's always been incredible. The fact that he's managed to come into the, the Chivas team um, with such a demanding and large fan base, so much pressure, he's he's strolled into the team, and he, he's made it his own. You know, he's he's been like the, the key man in the midfield at such a young age. Um, he's he's got all the technical attributes, and um, yeah. A massive potential, and the other one who perhaps has the biggest potential of anyone in Liga Mekis right now, maybe Clifford Abwagi. Yeah, I I absolutely love him, love watching him play. He's got it all when he's in possession, he really does. His passing efficiency is outstanding. Uh, he's very, very creative. He's a great dribbler. He's got skills. Uh, he's perhaps a bit well. He is diminutive. Um, perhaps that is an issue for him. And andorbling both small guys. Abwagi's only won 43% of his duels this season, which is by far his his worst stat. Um, but you know, if he can bolt, he might need to bulk out a little bit. Although. He'd lose certain things with with that, um, but in terms of pure ability, uh, he is amazing, amazing. and He's adding defensive attributes to his game as well, so massive potential. Front three, right. First one is a pretty obvious choice. Uh, Diego Linares, of course, broke through into the team at, at 16 last year. I couldn't leave him off the list considering... Uh, how, just how young he is and how much he's done at a young age I still think he's got a million and one things to learn, he's a great head down dribbler uh, very very technically gifted but he needs to learn his, he needs to learn game intelligence, you know, he needs to um, learn the right moments to take on players and the right moments to look for a pass and prove his creativity but because he's so young he's got so much time to do that and, and that's why I think he's got so much potential Um, Cecilio Dominguez has been amazing Uh, I keep I'm I'm running out of superlatives today Uh, just spending too much time talking about players I love Uh, yeah what what a player what can I say I mean uh, ever since joining America he's been (laughs) I don't know what to say amazing incredible superb unbelievable spectacular outstanding phenomenal yeah and um someone who can score can create um can tear teams apart I, I love watching him run it's it's the long sleeves that does it for me uh, and he's so he's just he's he just looks so classic when he's running with the ball uh, bags of tricks yeah uh, if he goes to europe he could be he could be a real success final one is such a tough choice i'm caught between two players I'm gonna go with Choffi's Lopez, who I've always been a massive fan of, really, and I think he's being hard done by this by um, Almeida in this season and and last season as well in terms of his lack of game time. Uh, I think he he deserves to have more football than he's got. You know, I think he offers more than like playing Saldivar on the wing or Carlos Vieira. I mean, Vieira is such a limited player. Shofis has so much more to his game. His creativity, his vision of pass is why I've put him as potential uh, on this list um, as having one of the best potentials in Liga Mekis because it's so difficult to teach that. Uh, I spoke about line, When I spoke about Linares, I said that he probably has time to, to learn that side of the game because he's so young. But it's more difficult to teach that than technical ability. You know, if you've got A player who isn't a great dribbler, for example, which Choffies is, he's an amazing dribbler. If if you've got somebody who an amazing dribbler, well, it's very easy to improve them. You just send them out on the training ground and get them dribbling. Loads. Get them doing dribbling drills, get them dribbling unopposed, get them dribbling opposed. Um, Challenge them in training matches to to take on players. Make them stay behind in training to practice skills, practice their dribbling. if you've got someone who doesn't have great vision, it's it's so much harder to teach that. And within coaching, there is less of an understanding of, of how to teach that, which is why you get some people claiming that you know vision creativity is is innate. It's um, it, you know it's something that you either have or you don't have, which I completely don't believe in. I believe that everything can be taught. You know because everything everything you have is you have it, you, every skill you have, you have because of what's happened in your past. Because you have picked up that skill somehow. I think we just don't understand very well how to pick up the skill of vision. Um, but Choffy has it. And uh, if he can improve his decision making a little bit, uh, I, think, I think he's fantastic. I, I don't see why he doesn't play more, to be honest. The player I could have gone with is Mateus Gonzalez, one of the most underrated players in the league for me. Uh, such a raw talent ridiculously fast at dribbling probably the fastest dribbler in the league but needs to improve his intelligence um, tenfold so there's a lot of improvement to do but his potential is phenomenal perhaps even higher than Chofis but the reason I didn't put him in is because I think it's going to be so so difficult I, I don't see him hitting his potential but the question was about solely on potential but because I, I just think there's no chance of him hitting that potential, so effectively that's not potential, that makes sense. <laughs> I can't, let me put it this way, I can't see him becoming game intelligent enough to become better than Shot Feast can be. Um, so that's why I don't think he has as much potential. hope that makes sense. Player of the week for Jornada Cuatro is Dolan Pabon, who just (laughs) blew my mind, really, on Saturday with his performance against Chivas. And the stats for his game are like nothing I've ever seen before. I didn't know this was even possible, to be honest with you. Pabon made just nine passes against Chivas. Nine passes. That's it. Now, normally, if a player's making nine passes in a match, you're thinking, well, they've, they're having very little influence in, it, in in the game, very little influence whatsoever. But this completely couldn't have been further from the truth in the case of Papon. He scored a goal, a rebound from a penalty. He made two assists as well um, in the 4-1 victory over Chivas. And most incredibly of all... Five of his nine passes were defined as key passes by SofaScore. Five of nine passes were key passes. More than fifty percent of his passes uh, either led to a shot or um, led to an assist. Like this is, or you know, were assists. Absolutely ridiculous. I've never, I've never seen anything like it before. To have that level of efficiency in your attack your attacking play and um, it's unbelievable um, <laughs> nine passes and he had that level of influence on a match and uh, there were loads of great little touches as well um, there were turns away from defenders four shots uh, he made on the day all of which were on target and he just with the help of um, Hurtado and Funes Mori he tore Chivas apart He was absolutely sensational and that Monterey attack just looks uh, frightening, absolutely frightening. Right, let's get to your questions for this week and we start with a few from at Kevsta2. First of all, focusing on the Pachuca-Tigres game, he asked uh, how did Pachuca fix their team and look completely different against Tigres and what's happened to Tigres since the first week. So on Pachuca... um, it was, yeah, a massive win. You saw how much that meant to them, uh, how much that meant to Alonso when he was you know, sprinting um, across the pitch at full time. He was absolutely delighted. Uh, it was such a crucial, crucial win that um, will, will no doubt boost their confidence, which is very important. Um, things weren't looking great uh, at Pachuca at the time and could be a real you know, turning point in their season. I think... It, in terms of their performance this this week, um, I, I'm, you know, let's let's take this from, from the two angles. Let's let's look at Pachuca and Tigres together. So Tigres are, are no doubt missing Guido Pizarro, and they were always going to, and they haven't yet replaced him. Jesus Duenas is not a natural defensive midfielder, and he he's not good enough there to replace the job that Pizarro did. And unsure about this, you know, three at the back, four at the back, how do they play? Uh, they're also, I think, showing more ambition, even though they went back to the old 4 3 one formation against, um, against Pachuca this week, away from the, the free 4 3 Even, even so, they, they showed more ambition. I thought they pushed the fullbacks on more than they have in previous seasons. Um, with Celarion in midfield, they've got an attack, a more attacking central midfield player so i think they're they're trying to be a bit more attacking trying to be a bit more risk-taking than they have been in previous seasons which is something i've criticized them for a lot and i think pachuca made the most of this on the day there was a lack of organization at times um you look at both goals they came from slip through balls and uh, pachuca did really well to to create these chances they um you know, like Dedos Lopez dribbling past a player uh, for the first goal. Good movement from Sagal and um, a nice finish from him as well. And, you know, the the winner was, was a good, again, an, a nice move where the ball was slipped through uh, from Areta Vizcaya and, and finished well by Gutierrez. Uh, I think they made the most of a Tigres defence that looked perhaps more unorganised than I'd ever seen it. Uh, certainly looked like. You could get through balls, through that, that defence, as we saw, you know, twice it happened and led to goals. And with Ayala and Janino at the back, it's not a fast defensive partnership uh, by any means, you know. So there's things to work on for Tigres, I would say, in that regard. And I think they need a proper defensive midfielder. We'll see if Rafael Carioca does finally come in after Medel fell through and uh, they lost Matias Uribe to America. Another thing to mention on Pachuca is uh, how successful they were at dribbling, and, and perhaps this was uh, a change in approach that they were taking a bit more risk when with the ball trying to take on the Tigres players. Uh, they completed 14 of 21 dribbles. Uh, particularly interesting was Eric Gutierrez, who completed three of three dribbles on the day. Now, Gutierrez um, back in the day was a midfielder who liked to get forward, who liked to run with the ball, uh, but under Alonso, he's stayed deeper really uh, and just become more of a deep line playmaker than it, than anything else. But we saw him on Saturday pushing forward more, you know, taking on players and breaking lines, um, running in behind the Tigres defense and scoring that winning goal. So that was interesting. Perhaps we're seeing a bit more of a, a risk taking um, approach from both Pachuca and Tigres and the risk taking. Working more for Pachuca on the day than it did for Tigres. Uh, the next one from Kevster is uh, about Pumas. So thoughts on Palencia and how long until Nico Castillo leaves for Europe? Palencia, I think, is is you know, a young manager. He's he's learning. Um, I think he's he's doing something that Pumas want in terms of trying to bring through some players from the Cantera and. Yeah, you know, they haven't invested that much in players. They've brought in, yeah, they've brought in, like, Formica and Calderon and uh, Gueron this summer, but, but, you know, tactically and the way they play, I mean, it's just very similar to Memo Vasquez. He hasn't really changed that much. They play a, a 43-1 where um, they've done this ever since, you know, the season where they um, were super leader and, and lost the final to Tigres. a 43-1 with one holding midfielder a central midfielder playing just to the right uh, an attacking midfielder playing to the left two wingers who played very wide and a striker and the, it's it's been the same for a long long time and um, in that regard no changes has been made by palencia so i wonder in that sense how much he um I don't know. Maybe maybe it's his preferred tactic. Maybe he thinks it's it's the best way for them to play, and he may well be right. But um, you know, considering that they did have struggles last season, uh, he hasn't al- altered anything. He hasn't mixed up at all. I wonder if um, I wonder how much he knows, how much he's willing to take those risks tactically, how much he, um, yeah. yeah I, I, I guess. What's what's his knowledge like uh, on Castillo? perhaps it could be this summer you know he's such a good player such is his ball striking ability you're seeing this with some of the free kicks he's hitting now is just remarkable and uh, he probably should go to the world cup with Chile uh, I know he didn't go to the confederations cup but I think we're seeing that so far at least this season you know we have a direct comparison for these these backup striker spots for Chile Castillo uh, Sagal and Felipe Mora, right now, Castillo is, is far and away um, looking the more impressive this season in Liga Mackey. So I think that Pizzi would be... Well, it would surprise me um, if, you know, unless something, unless a lot changes in the rest of the season, it would surprise me uh, if Pizzi doesn't go with Castillo um, for the World Cup. But yeah, I guess it's still a long way to go. All right, uh, another question comes from at the colorful kit himself who asks, does regular season form matter come gear time such a such an important question and and one that i'm gonna have to give uh, an annoying answer to perhaps which is that i can't really say because i don't have data on this and i could muse i could theorize about various uh, examples of when teams have gone in in good form and haven't gone in in good form like, I don't know, Chivas uh, last year didn't go into Ligia in, in good form but managed to come away with the title um, you know, Tigres got to the final after like a really average season and then winning a couple of games at the end of the season um, we've seen many a time Tigres going far, getting to the final or winning the competition from coming you know not in the top couple of spots and yeah we saw tijuana last year super leader uh, and not being able to translate that into league success semi-finals was the best it got for them but there are lots of examples of of teams going from finishing high up to to winning or to going far um yeah i just mentioned pumas when they were super leader they they got to the final that season so I can't really say (laughs) but it's a fantastic question it's something that would be really really interesting to look at in depth i've thought about this before it's something i forgot about but it was on my kind of to-do list was uh, a statistical study of whether regular season form matters coming to gear time and i think the best way to approach it is to look at where you finish and also your sort of five game form going into the gear and perhaps you know, phrase it as um, what matters more, your league position from all 17 games or the five games going into the that, gear that form you know um, how you're playing at that time, which is more significant. so yeah, um, can't give you an answer yet, but watch the space, perhaps I'll get one for you in the future. That says that uh, H football asked me uh, most underrated attack in the league. An interesting question very interesting um i'm gonna go with I don't, it's always tough with these ones because i don't know how much people rate each team but i think i'm gonna go with leon because leon's attack well leon as a team have been obviously they got a great win this weekend but have been in poor form for a while uh, the team as a whole uh, they haven't been picking up many points and you know, a lot of people have been saying about Terrentes, Unigo. Uh, so I think because of this, it's been a little bit overlooked, actually, how well some of their attackers have played. And I think in, obviously, Barcelli, they've got one of the most consistent strikers in Liga Mekis in recent years. Absolutely. You know, always um, always has a great goal-scoring record, 19 Goals uh, last season across across the Apertura and Clausura, and um, he's he's very good in the air. Uh, he's he's a clinical finisher, and he's been massive for Leon. You know he's led the line there for so long. And when you think of Leon, you really do think of Buselli now, and he's supported by some fantastic uh, wide men, some fantastic creators. Elias Hernandez is. Yeah, perhaps one of the most underrated Mexican players, um one of the most underrated Mexican attackers. I think I'm guilty of doing it myself because he's not a flashy attacking player. He's not your classic Liga Mexico winger who has loads of pace and tricks and um you know loves running at defenses and taking them on. Uh he's not a guy who's who you see like you know, cutting inside, dribbling past a couple of players, getting a shot on goal. He do, he doesn't do that that often, but what he is is just a really, um, I think, a very clever attacking player and someone who has great passing and crossing technique. He's so accurate with uh, his crosses, his passes. His crossing accuracy is absolutely ridiculous. Last season. He was averaging four crosses a game at a 41% success rate. Now, if you listen to my episode a couple of weeks ago, the average cross success rate in Liga MX was like 25%. So he's way up on that average. Plus, last season he was averaging 3.7 key passes per match. Now, this is influenced by the fact that Leon played direct style under Torrente, but I still think that's really impressive that he's managing to make so many passes that, that lead to shots, that create things. Uh, he's supported by Andres Andrade, who's a player I have been a big fan of for a long time. I thought he shouldn't have been let go by America. I thought he was unfortunate there because he's just not a massive name, you know? He's not a player who's seen as a big star in Liga Mekis, but I think he consistently does a good job As a wide man, he's a great dribbler. He's got that powerful shot and, again, very creative. Um, He last season created nine big chances, which is a a really impressive record. So I think he's a great player. And as is another winger they have, um, Dario Babano, who's playing really, really well this season. He was somewhat forgotten about last season, couldn't get in the team ahead of. Hernandez and Andrade but this season he's doing really well um, he's got a goal he's got an assist again a, a really good dribbler um, someone who is, is a massive threat For um, massive threat really difficult for defences to deal with so I would say that attack it really is one of the best in the league and perhaps their problems are more in terms of, of their defence and the midfield I'm not sure if midfield's right i'm not sure if the, the, i'm not sure if their tactics are right for ter, from torrente as well uh, what's been really interesting is looking at their average player position maps and seeing how their team is like split into two um, in the last couple of weeks and I, they're not particularly compact um, perhaps perhaps that's a problem they get quite stretched um, when they're trying to press and play really direct Certainly, the, the attack I'd say is, is one of the most underrated in the league. A couple more questions to go. We're getting there this week, and the next one comes from at uh, Eloyant, um, a new new guy for a question. So thanks for asking. Uh, based on their start, does Chivas qualify for Liga? Well, based on the start, it's it's not looking great, but I still think they will. You know, it's. It has been a difficult start for them. Perhaps it's somewhat of a hangover of being champion last season. They've also had players out uh, at the Gold Cup. They've got injuries. I think Pulido's a massive miss, massive loss for Chivas. Uh, they haven't been controlling games in the way that we kind of used to seeing them under, um, under Almeida. I think he's also still working out his best lineup, particularly in attack. I don't think Fierro should be starting. Absolutely not. I, I just don't see really what he offers them, as particularly when they've got Presuelo, one of the best dribblers in the league, on the bench, and Chofis Lopez, um, a player who can come up with magic out of nothing. So I don't understand why he's playing Fierro, but you know, I th- I think he'll I think they'll get there. Uh, I have a lot of faith. In Almeida, although there are things about him that I criticize him for, of course, but I do have a lot of faith. I think he's a great coach, and yeah, so yeah, I still have faith that they'll make it, but um, it's gonna be a challenge, yeah, unless of course they go and win like three or four games on the trot now. Final one from At Reed Munir who asks, out of context, but favorite Premier League or Championship team. So, first of all, not out of context at all, um, you know. Obviously, I'm mainly going to be talking about Liga Mekis in this podcast, but if you ever have a question uh, about other football, um, obviously about us today, of course, but anything about other football, anything about anything else, like if you want to know something about me, if you want me to talk about something, then uh, go ahead and and ask whatever you want. I'm more than happy to answer on anything, really. So, favourite Premier League or Championship team? Well, it's a tough question for me to answer because... When I was younger, I used to be quite a big Tottenham fan. And the reason why was pretty much nothing. I mean, I had a friend who supported them and I didn't really have any links to any of the big teams because um, the football I used to go to when I was young was like non-league football, um, semi-pro, and just seeing my local team called Kingstonian, if you're interested. And, yeah, I didn't have any big teams. My dad, uh, on my dad's side, they were Chelsea fans, like my dad and his brothers. But uh, I wasn't brought up by my dad. I didn't live with him when when I was a kid. So I didn't really have that influence. And um, my, like, my mum didn't really care. She wasn't really a big football fan. So, yeah, um, I didn't really have that connection or link. And. A friend once said hey support Tottenham so I did and for a while I I was quite a big fan but as the years have gone on particularly recently I've just found myself not caring because you know I don't have that link I feel to support a club you really need to have that connection and I kind of still act to some people who've known me for years like I support them Um, but really I don't really care and you know to some people I've been like yeah to be honest I'm just not that bothered about it anymore so, favourite Premier League or Championship team, I guess you could probably say still Tottenham, but I just, I don't, I, I don't really, yeah, like, I don't really have any, I, don't, I just don't really care uh, who wins matches that much. Um, Like, yeah, I, I just found myself not fussed, you know, I just enjoy the games, somewhat, you know, not course uh, not my favorite league in the world either of them <laughs> all right that wraps up for this week's episode of the colorful kit podcast extra thank you to everyone for listening and a special thanks to those of you who put in questions for this week's episode thanks again to world football index for hosting this podcast and make sure you check out their feed for other great soccer podcasts if you don't already, you can follow me on Twitter at TomH underscore 36, and this way you can keep up with all my work, articles, podcasts, videos, etc. And of course, you can get a question in for the next episode of this podcast. So thanks again for listening, and I will catch you all next week.